Rugby KO, a podcast that pulls no punches. We deliver rugby insights from passionate enthusiasts from the grassroots to the global game. Players, punters, professionals and partners providing uncensored opinions on how the sport of rugby can thrive again. Welcome to Rugby KO with your host, Katrina Oxenham. Rod Seib is currently the head coach at the Queensland Rugby Academy. He is a former teacher and educator and has transferred those skills into his rugby coaching roles. He coached Brothers Rugby First Grade and in 2019 took them to a minor premiership and were grand finalists in the competition. In 2018, he was a head coach of Queensland Country and also the Queensland Schoolboys head coach. Rod was also head coach of the NRC team Brisbane City in 2016. He played under-19 and under-21 representative teams for Queensland and had a short stint for the Reds. He played first grade from 1995 to 2001 with 118 caps and began his coaching career at his grassroots club. I talked to Rod about the exciting new talent at the academy in Queensland and about coaching and developing young players to high representative levels in the game of rugby union. Hi, Rod, and welcome to Rugby KO. Hi, Katrina. Thank you for inviting me on. Great to be here. Great. So, Rod, you're currently the head coach of the Queensland Reds Academy. You've coached Premier Rugby sides in Queensland as well as being the head coach of the NRC team, Brisbane City, and also the Queensland Schoolboys head coach. Can you tell us a little bit about what it takes to be a head coach of these elite levels of rugby union and basically all that it encompasses? Yeah, thanks, Katrina. So, yeah, obviously I've been in coaching for quite a long time now. So my profession is a teacher. So just from the fact of being a teacher for over 20 years, I've been coaching kids in the sport of rugby from sort of nine years of age through the first 15, you know, for many, many years. So I had a really good grounding in the sport. On the back of that, it became a point there where after I'd stopped playing, I was probably getting a little bit too much absorbed in work and was finding it hard to actually get home. You know, teaching and certainly the role I was in a director of sport, it's one of those things there's not enough hours in the day ever. So I found I was living at school. So I needed an excuse to leave and I sort of sorted out some priorities and, and decided I really would love to get back into rugby. And that's when I went back to Sunnybank and started doing some coaching there. So from that experience, I've learned an awful lot. But it, yeah, coaching is one of those things where it's not just about the X and the O's. Like it's not just understanding where you should be at what part of the field at what time. Particularly being in a head coaching role, I think you really need to understand people and how to manage people. Mm. So I think the actual understanding the detail of rugby probably takes a lesser role in that head coaching role. It's more understanding people and how to best manage those people and get the best out of them. And certainly, you know, in this academy space that I'm working in at the moment, you've got a lot of different guys coming through from different backgrounds and it's really trying to tap into their strengths and make sure that you can bring them through and show their potential. So that in the coming years, the players are going to be wearing the Reds jerseys and doing us proud in professional rugby. I've been involved for quite a long time. I can tell you that my involvement in club rugby has been incredibly enjoyable. The people you come across, the people you meet, it really makes the sport very special. Now, certainly growing up, I was involved in a lot of different sports and there's no doubt I ended up in rugby because of the people, you know, that actually play the game. And certainly your husband's one of those. He was my first captain, actually, at Sunnybank when I started playing. I probably actually thought he was a lot older than what he was, but he was one of those sort of mature leaders. And from those sort of times when you come into a sport and you actually meet different people who come from different walks of life and 
it makes you sort of feel like you're part of something bigger than yourself. The sport itself is giving me a lot of opportunities and so now I'm hopefully I can direct my attention towards the academy and bring the best out of the youth that is coming through in the sport. Mm. And did you do any sort of extra courses or extra education leading into being appointed in these various head coaching roles or is it that intuition, your personality, your people skills and maybe the experience over years that's sort of landed you these coaching roles and the role at the academy where you are at the moment? Uh, yeah, no doubt experience has certainly been the most beneficial thing to get me through this role, but I've also done all the coaching levels through to level four. And in recent, in recent years, I've also done a master's in sports coaching through University of Sydney. And that was a really good experience, sort of going through that, really sort of sharpened your skills. But yeah, no doubt my experience being around schoolboys, uh, club and NRC has helped me in this role. Mm. So what sort of qualities are you looking for is there a specific criteria or is there general qualities that you're looking for in the players right across the park to be selected and to be developed in the Queensland Academy? I wish it was a really simple process. Like I wish it was just a really black and white thing, but no, obviously it's a lot goes into it. You look at, first and foremost, it's what they can do on a rugby field. You know, do they make a difference on the rugby field? Do they have special qualities that they can bring to a team? But then... I guess that's where the academy comes into it. We look at a lot of players who have fantastic physical qualities. Being a team sport, you obviously need a lot of other attributes to add to your game. So, yes, there's no sort of easy criteria there, but certainly a lot goes into it. And Paul Carossa, who's head of talent management there, does a wonderful job in identifying young talent coming through. But, yeah, obviously the challenge for Paul and for all the Reds and all the rugby is to make sure we can keep the good talent in the sport. You talked about the physical attributes. Do you think there is a difference with those elite players in terms of their mental aptitude or application and the way they play or the way that they are determined and competitive? Is there a difference that you've seen over the years in those elite players compared to other players that may have similar physical attributes but but just lacking to get to that next level? When you have a look at the red squad at the moment, they really are very different people, individuals within there. They do click very well together but very, very much have their own individual slant. As a generalisation, I probably would say that there is a mental aptitude that top players do have, a desire to really want to work hard and have that attention to detail to develop their game. As young players come through, they all like to enjoy a good time, but you tend to find those players who can make sacrifices or make choices which focus on developing their game and spending time to developing their game are those who tend to go on. And certainly, I tend to find that those who have a really strong competitive instinct within them they're the ones who I tend to find sort of shine through. When the sun's shining beautifully and it's easy to train or easy to play, you know, anyone can do that. It's when the going gets a little bit tough and perhaps the opposition is a little bit difficult or the conditions are a little bit difficult. It's that competitiveness within someone or that will and desire to bring out the best in themselves. That's sort of a rare quality. I guess you tend to find those sort of guys, you know, rise to the top. And can you tell us at all, I mean, I know that you have a specific SNC guys that work with you, but do you have basically any input in that or can you tell us a little bit about the specifics about the training that you would conduct there at the academy with an SNC focus or nutritional input that you may have there and what do you do at the academy that is a bit more intense and a bit more elite than you would get say at club or grade level? Yeah, the physical preparation side of things at the academy, it's really important. It's a big part of the foundation of what we do there. 
So Jamie Youngson, who's the head of athletic performance within the academy space, does a wonderful job. I guess the most important thing from an academy perspective is we've really got to educate players. It's not just about giving them the best programs that, is, that are tailored to their personal needs. It's about making sure they understand the why, you know, the purpose for why they're doing things. And I've seen professional players, you know, at a higher end who perhaps haven't gone on because they don't understand why they're doing it. They're just going through the motions. Jamie does an excellent job in actually educating them to understand why they're doing things, the technique and how it's important and how it can be utilised within their game. So obviously within Jamie's sort of requirement, he really does head the gym programs. He also looks at their speed technician and their movement efficiency. We also had the pleasure of having Steph Ford as nutritionist within the academy this year who does a wonderful job, who's constantly educating the boys about how they can best prepare for games and recover from games. We've done things like doing practical sessions, uh, cooking sessions, which is a learning experience for the boys mm-hmm. where they have to actually cook their own meals and share it around. So I guess the physical prep side of things, the most important aspect for the academy is that educational side. It's not actually just laying out a program and saying this is what you need to do. It's about understanding this is how it's going to benefit your game. And how many players do you have there in the academy at the moment? The group can sort of change size. We tend to stay at about a group of 24 mm-hmm. within the academy. But depending upon the time of the season, we may introduce a few more players and then we may exit players as well. We generally sit at around about 24 within the academy. Say so what percentage of those players would have come through the club system in Queensland and through the pathways there to arrive where they are now? Yeah, so all these boys, so within the academy, which we actually refer as a senior academy, these guys have finished school. So some have been engaged with their clubs. Most of them have been just finished that school pathway. So they've just come out of either a GPS, AOC or other you know, school format. Once they finish school, that's when obviously they have the time to dedicate towards an academy program. We do have a junior academy, which operates in that space where those players are still at school. Given that a majority of them are really involved, are heavily involved in that school program, it's difficult for us to then drag them out and do too much with them. So we do have a junior program where they'll come in. Obviously, a pandemic thrown in this year has sort of changed mm-hmm. things with that junior program. But ideally, we would have had them in once a month throughout the year so we could be touching base with them and working with them. Because of their school programs being so intense, for a lot of them, yeah, it's difficult to get our hands on them too much. And so most of them have come through that Queensland. They are Queenslanders and they've come through that Queensland system. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, yeah. they're all Queenslanders, yeah. We don't sort of actively recruit from outside. Certainly if someone does come in from interstate, we'll have a look at them. But no, we don't actively go outside the states to recruit players for the academy. And so what's, say, your KPI? Is it a conversion rate for those academy players to get to a Reds super rugby side or to get through to the Wallabies? Like, What's your success measured on? Yeah, it's very much on what players do when they come out of the academy space. So, yeah, so I very much watch and monitor, you know, what players will progress out of the academy and be useful for the Queensland Reds. And obviously, my role, whilst it does sort of develop those groups, it is involved in the talent ID, it is involved in recruitment of players. So there's a lot of different aspects, but certainly my most important KPI would be looking at players that then come out of the academy and represent Queensland in a super rugby competition. Yeah. So you mentioned you are a teacher by trade originally, and you've also been the head coach of the Queensland Schoolboys. Are there schools other than GPS that you draw from for the schoolboys and also, say, in the academy, or they historically come through that GPS system? They probably historically do come primarily from GPS system. 
and its pros and cons around that. The, the reality is that the GPS system do do a lot of recruitment within there. So you do tend to attract and recruit a lot of uh, talented rugby players, but we certainly don't just look at the GPS system. Obviously, we look at the AOC system as well. You know, it's one we closely monitor, but any school by competition that is happening around the state, we tend to have people who are watching and doing talent identification at. So there may be a bit of a misconception that sometimes we only look at GPS, but I can assure everyone that's, that's certainly not the case. But given the talent that those teams within the GPS system have produced, you know, in recent years, it's no surprise that a lot of those players have graduated through to the academy space. Mm. And are you seeing a real depth of players and a depth of talent at the moment? Yeah, yeah, very much so. Certainly in that academy space. So the success of junior Wallabies and under-18 Australian teams of, of recent years, have, you can see that there's that talent there. So I guess the test is how much depth is there. But, but certainly in the space that I've seen through that Queensland schoolboys, NRC, and then observing under-18s and junior Wallabies, there's a lot of talent there at the moment. Have you lost many players to other football codes like rugby league? You know, there's promising young players and I know there's potentially contracts on offer and potentially more money or opportunity at some levels in the pathway for those younger players. Are you seeing promising rugby union players being drawn to rugby league? I certainly haven't this year. Like my involvement with the academy has only been this year. There hasn't been an incident where we've lost anyone due to attraction from league. But in previous years, I have seen some players who have been attracted over to league. I mean, there was an article this morning I read from Tim Horan showing or highlighting a story about Crichton who plays for the South Sydney and just the situation that drew him over to play league instead of union and obviously the monetary concerns there when the money that can be thrown at some players from NRL clubs is very hard to refuse but certainly the players that I've been dealing with this year within that academy space I really love the sport obviously you never know what the future holds but for me they come across as real rugby diehard fans and love the game and love the opportunity to represent Queensland potentially Wallabies in the future. Mm. And you played rugby yourself for many years. What do you love about rugby union? I played a lot of sport growing up and I did gravitate towards rugby. And when I reflect, really, it's no doubt because of the people that you play with and the people that you meet and it's being part of that team. Probably you get some people who like those individual sports, who like to excel in a track and field or something where they can just focus on themselves. And, and I guess the thing that attracted me to rugby was the fact you were part of a team, that mateship that you get with playing with different teammates and meeting new people there. So certainly that's sort of what drew me towards playing rugby. Mm. So rugby in Australia nationally, we have some challenges at the moment. What do you think could be done to improve the game in Australia currently? I mean, obviously there's some big issues at play, but what do you think you would immediately change or implement to sort of assist in the game thriving again? Yeah, obviously there's many challenges at the moment that we're dealing with. One thing that is a concern for me, I guess, is the participation rate. You want to be focusing on, on what we can do to get as many people playing the sport and how we can do that. So obviously you want to be looking at that entry level. So certainly in that community and that youth age group, age bracket, what we can do to provide programs, to provide opportunities for kids to play, regardless of where they're brought up, what school they go to, will they have an opportunity to play. And there's many, many ways we can do that, whether that be through non-contact forms of the sport, whether it be through sevens rugby. But the key is you need people there to be able to do that. So have your development officers or people, clubs or people at schools who can actually get people into the sport. The participation rate would no doubt improve 
if the Wallabies' results improve. So we certainly don't want to be making sure that we forget about the Wallabies and put all emphasis on getting people in the game because the reality is if the Wallabies go well, we tend to be in the news a lot more, it gets a lot more popularity and people start to get into the game. And the more players we have coming in an under-9 age group, that'll be the more volunteers, coaches, administrators that'll be there in years to come to help the sport. So certainly from a Rugby Australia perspective, I know their big focus would be on what we can do to grow the game and get people into the sport and obviously address those challenges. Mm. So the Super Rugby season, it's sort of hybrid season, if you like. We're starting up again after the lockdown with COVID. There are a few variations in the rules and in the laws to speed the game up and make it a bit more entertaining. Do you think the way that rugby is played and potentially the way the rugby is coached nowadays is a bit more structured than it used to be and it's the product that needs some attention to get that crowd back and to get that interest back? Or are there other reasons that people are just not watching as much rugby as they used to? There's certain different things you can do to work on the game. I really love these new rules that have been introduced. So I coached them in the NRC this last year and I love them because they speed up the game. So obviously the ball's in play a lot more. I also like the fact that rule like that you're 50-22, it's something that's a real thinking man's rule. Like you've really actually got to strategically really weigh up your pros and cons there and how you deal with that. And I actually personally love those rules. And saying that though, even without changing the rules, I think we've got a fantastic product. The referees have an incredibly difficult job because the game's not very simple to run. But certainly that we've got some rules in there, I guess, that if we probably focused on a little bit more, maybe referee like me. For example, over the last years, the trend has been the defence is really taking over the game and it's been harder and harder to break down a defensive line. So personally, I'd love to see the offside line being refereed really hard. I'd love to see clear space. And I know that the intention of these new rules is to make sure that the, the offside or players actually demonstrate that they are onside as opposed to waiting for them to go offside. So the other thing I'd like to see is that defensive jackal being really watched and monitored very closely. I'd love to see attack actually get a little bit more momentum back into the game. And whilst the game is slowed down, it allows the defence to actually dictate the state of the play. There's no danger, is there, in losing what some would say is the DNA of rugby and that is the scrum. Is there no danger in that disappearing, say, like in league, where it has become anything but a scrum or a scrum that we see in rugby union? That's always the danger and I don't think anyone would ever want to devalue the set piece. You know, as soon as we take away the value of the set piece to the game, we really do undermine the quality of our sport and our point of difference. And that's the beauty of these rules. I don't think they do undervalue those. I think the importance of a scrum and line out still as valuable. Potentially the only stat that's really coming through in these early stages of the rule change is that perhaps there are fewer scrums, but certainly the value of scrums and line outs, I think are going to stay as an integral part of our game. Mm. So with the academy, what's the sort of goal, say, between now and the end of the year? Is it to develop the players that you've got in that academy for next year's season? Is it to lead out a couple of players that are ready and play in this season's Super Rugby? What's the goal right now? Yeah, so the goal is really an individual focus for all the players. So depending upon their age and stage, some who are just first year out of school have different priorities or different goals for this year. Well, others who are maybe two years out of school They have different priorities and then you have people who are learning and improving at different speeds. So, for example, you have the young man Josh Fluke who is named on the bench again this week so could potentially make his debut against the Rebels on Friday night. So Fluke is a young man who captained the under-18 Australian side 
last year. So his trajectory and his path is a lot different to another person who has just come out of school and really is learning the mechanics of their body and, and how to best train themselves. So we do have different priorities, but certainly within the academy, we will be looking at rolling over the academy so that retaining players who are important for that Reds depth chart. But we're obviously doing a lot of talent ID when rugby does start back up so that we can be making sure that we're bringing or attracting the right players into the academy for the start of next season. But yeah, there's really no simple answer there as to you know what the academy's focus is. It's really an individual thing depending upon where the development level is at the moment. But it's really exciting to see that the potential of some players graduating out of the academy and maybe even getting an opportunity in this super competition. Mm. And Rod, how often do you see, say, the senior academy players? Do they train every day? Is it a couple of times a week? How often do you see them and also the junior academy players and squad? So with the senior academy players, for all of off-season, we'll see them four times a week. So with those four times a week, they'll have a gym, education and field component. Because of the amateur nature of the academy, we will find that we have to do that after hours. So it's three afternoons during the week and one of the days in the weekend. When the season actually does start, the club season starts, most of their load is actually done through or training load is done at club. It's really important that they can put the best foot forward with club so they can be picked in their top team there. So in club season, we would normally see them two times a week back with the academy. Obviously, the issue is at the moment with the pandemic and and issues going on there, we really sort of are struggling to get access as an academy to gyms and all those sorts of things. So at the moment, it's really just once a week that we can see the boys. In terms of a junior academy, we do, as I said earlier, we'll see them sort of once a month and then on school holidays, we'll often have camps with them. And normally in June, July, we would have selected Queensland under 18 teams, which was the bulk of those junior academy boys. And they would have come in for the bulk of the school holidays to trying to prepare for a national tournament. And are your efforts, you mentioned you're sort of amateur and sometimes you've got to do things after hours. Do you have the adequate funding and resources to do everything that you would like to do with the academy and with those players to develop them as you see is adequate for the Queensland Academy? I think when you give someone a budget, they always wish they could have it just a little bit more. So I don't think I, I, mm-hmm. I would... I would ever say that, yeah, we've got enough. But in saying that, yeah, no, it's more than adequate. I think the most important thing to these players is they have the adequate coaching resources. And obviously around the academy space, Jamie Youngston as head of athletic performance does a wonderful job. He's really well supported with other S&C staff. We have great medical staff in there as well, nutritionists, as I mentioned before. In terms of the mental aspects of the game, uh, Bo Hanson, who does a lot of work with the Reds, also does sessions with the academy boys. So the most important thing from my perspective is that the academy is engaged with these coaches or staff resources, and we certainly don't skimp in that regard. You could always talk about facilities being maybe a little bit flashy or, or investing a little bit more in there, but really I don't think these Reds Academy boys are missing out on anything at the moment. But as I said, we could always find ways to spend money, Katrina. It's, uh, <laughs> it's an easy thing to do. Yeah, I hear you. And so tell me, what is it specifically that you love about coaching? You've dedicated a lot of years to coaching, and I know the reasons you mentioned earlier about getting out of the teaching profession and it was a natural progression from being a director of sport into being head coach, and you've coached some great sides and good elite level. What do you love specifically about coaching? The first point I'd like to make is that the best way to be engaged in the sport is to play it. And when you get too old, you'd still like to be engaged in the sport. As a competitive person, I found the next best thing to playing was coaching. 
probably the most rewarding aspect of coaching is when you've got a team it's very much like parenting really you know come game time you prepare them as well as you possibly can but then really it's up to them you just sort of sit back and watch and from a coaching perspective it's fantastic to actually prepare a team coach a team like spend a pre-season and then send them out in the field and actually see them executing a game plan and actually bringing guys together from all different walks of life and having them really get behind a game plan and execute and sort of feel like I've positively affected this team and how they perform that's probably the most pleasing thing. But, you know, as I sort of referred to a few times in the sport of rugby, it's just being involved with the people. So I'm really blessed that in my coaching role, I get to work with fantastic players who I've seen go on and do wonderful things and also get to work with a whole lot of fantastic other coaches and medical staff and SNC and, and volunteers, you know, as part of the sport. So it's probably a fantastic social outlet for anyone involved in rugby. I know that a lot of guys and women probably go home and tell their partners that they're doing it for other reasons, but it's a great social outlet as well. And just on that, are there any female academies in Queensland similar to what you're doing? Yeah, so in sevens, there's a focus within the Reds environment. And so we'll sort of share the facilities with the Reds men's, the Reds women's, and then there's a Red sevens as well for the women who are using those facilities. And there's a strong sort of participation and it's growing up there in Queensland for the women's game, isn't there, as far as I can see? Oh, there is, yeah. No, it's a really fantastic growth opportunity for the sport. And you can just see from the success that particularly the Sevens team have had of late, you can see it's a growing sport and becoming more and more popular. Mm. Well, Rod, thanks so much for your time today. It was great to chat all things rugby. It sounds like the Queensland player development is in good hands with yourself and the team there at the Queensland Reds Academy. Good luck with it and we look forward to seeing the players come out of the academy and hopefully go next level playing for the Reds and then Wallabies and just developing them as young people and keeping them playing rugby union. So thank you for all you're doing up there in Queensland. No, thanks, Katrina, and I really look forward to sitting back and watching these players in the next few years and I'm really excited to see what the guys I'm currently working with can do in the next few years for the Reds and for the Wallabies. So just like you, I'm really looking forward to the next few years and sitting back and enjoying what they can do. Great. Well, good to chat. Take care. We'll chat soon. Thank you for joining us at Rugby KO. Any comments or insights, please send to Katrina at rugbyko.com. For show notes and more about all things rugby, head to our website at www.rugbyko.com. We look forward to your company for our next episode of Rugby KO.